Because we live in a Puritan police state, we are obliged to inform you that we may sometimes use explicit language. Visit our website at wihhw.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter, see guest links and information, and some fancy extras. Also, check us out on Facebook at, at what I had heard was, and Instagram at what I had heard. And if you really want to get something off your chest, shoot us an email at what I had heard was at gmail.com. Now that you've been informed, <laughs> things are about to get weird. Oh. Are you, Josh, are you smoking for the show? Are you smoking today? Um, I have a vape pen with me, but I'm happy to smoke if you guys are. I've got, uh, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm smoking one of my favorite, favorite strains. I don't know if you can see that. Durban poison. Durban poison. Good one. That's <laughs> just a tried and true, a tried and true favorite. I've got blue shandy. Ooh, I've never had that. And now I see people everywhere just walking around talking to themselves. And we have to believe that they're on calls, but maybe they're not. What about the people who are on speakerphone walking around having conversations? Oh my God. I think they're on reality television shows. I think they think they're on reality television shows. Some of the stuff I have overheard, like while I'm shopping, is unbelievable. 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 We have we have lost all boundaries about what we are willing to talk about in front of people we don't know. It's maybe nuts. it's social media. I think it definitely is social media. I think there's a huge part of it that's just like, I'm gonna put everything out there because the more I share, the better. I would like to see a movement where people just stop talking as much, period. I just I think that would be spectacular. No nobody cares what your sandwich looked like. Nobody cares. I really hope it was delicious for your sake. I don't need a fucking picture of it. Yeah, this is me after eating the sandwich. See how happy I am. <laughs> <laughs> this is me taking a shit eight hours after eating the sandwich. Do you see the process, the circle of life? That's actually that actually happens, which just Oh, Man, sarcasm is lost on this world. It's, yeah. Yeah. So you guys are excited for Hanukkah? We are. We are. It's, it's, you know, Hanukkah is funny because it's it's on the lunar calendar. The Jewish calendar is a lunar calendar, not a solar calendar like the Christian or Gregorian calendar. So, you know, Hanukkah moves every year. Every Jewish holiday moves every year. Um, which, you know, makes it kind of exciting. It's like, oh shit, when is it this year? Surprise! <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. Oh my God, it's right after Thanksgiving. That's exciting. And also I am uh, two to four weeks behind on getting presents for my children. Uh-oh. <laughs> Supply chain issues, Roy. That's what I'm gonna tell Careful. them. What are you gonna do, yeah. Sorry, kids, supply chain issues. I've used that already. You can just do what our parents said. It was like, so eight nights, you got one sock a night, by the time you're done, you got four pair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I just bought socks at the mall. I just bought socks for the kids. I was like, I'm going to bring the socks thing back. It's highly practical. It's a practical present. We got to get away from this notion that every night's got to be like a fucking one of those, you know, sweet 16 millionaire kind of nights. Yeah, we were raised in a, uh, so in a Jewish household with some... Uh, you know, kind of Buddhist influence. 
and we celebrated Christmas. So where that all works together, I'm not sure. I think there was a lot of exposure was the intention, mm-hmm. but it just made for some really confused adults, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I bet, I bet. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, that's, that's American. That's the answer. That's the American way to do it. You just, have to do it, yeah. Just melting pot it up, you know? Although now it's like, there's a lot of buzz in the Jewish community about like, you know, things that have been traditionally, and I use air quotes for traditionally because we're talking about a few decades in a several millennia long tradition, but like, you know, Jews going out for Chinese food and a movie on Christmas because those are the only things that were open on Christmas. And now that being a really hip thing for Christians to do after opening presents and stuff to go out to Chinese food in a movie. And like Jews get all worked up and bent out of shape. It's like, you're appropriating our thing. It's like, let's not get too attached. I mean, why do we go for Chinese food? Because everybody else was closed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's not like like, we own the Chinese. I mean, but that's a, that's still a tradition. Like, I'll still go out for Chinese food. Maybe a movie, mm-hmm. maybe not. Although it's hard to get seats at a Chinese place now. Does it count if you order in Chinese? Is it the same or is it not the same? It's definitely the same. I don't go yeah. out if I don't have to. I'll get my food and go home. You I prefer- like the people in my house. Mm-hmm. Yes. You like their food and your people. Yeah. <laughs> the worst case scenario would be you cooking and then bringing it to the restaurant. I mean, we could do that, I guess. I don't know. It depends if you like to cook. I will. It depends what I'm making. Like, really, we have a. There used to be a kosher deli here mm-hmm. called Izzy's. I don't know oh, if yeah. you've ever heard of it. You've heard of him? Mm-hmm. And um, so they have the best matzo ball soup. And I would honestly eat it every single day, but they only have it on Fridays. Mm. Oh. Five years in from me living near an Izzy's, and I've had it one time. I'm really slacking. Yeah, you've been really slacking. Wait, which, which are you in Cleveland? Are you in Cincinnati? What part of Ohio are you in? Cincinnati. Okay, because Cleveland and Cincinnati both have like big Jewish communities, and I mean, traditionally, I mean, for much of the 20th century, anyway, there was very, very large communities, especially in Cleveland and Cincy too. People who are on the West Coast don't have any awareness that there are Jews in the middle of the country. They really think it's like a New York or LA thing. And they Louisville's, need to be reminded. Yeah, Louisville's pretty big too. It has a yeah. large community. We have a lot of family down there. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, uh, like Milwaukee and Madison, Wisconsin, and Ann Arbor and Detroit, and, you know, all of these, St. Louis, all of these anchor Midwest cities that have big Jewish communities. Tulsa, believe it or not, has a big Jewish community. And then uh, Omaha, Nebraska, did like this strategic move to import Jews to Omaha. The, Jewish Federation there was like giving incentives for Jews to move to Omaha. And that was like 20 more than 20 years ago. And now they have like this super big, vibrant Jewish community in Omaha. So it's, uh, you know, the lesson here, kids, is incentives work. (laughs) So let's talk about um, your favorite Hanukkah food. What's your favorite Hanukkah food? I think hands down. Yeah. How, How do you like them? Like what kind of ingredients, you know, and uh, what kind of side or condiment? I definitely use sour cream, but I will also use the applesauce depending. Like applesauce is a little too sweet, so I kind of mix them, which might be gross, but that's okay. It all, get, it all gets mixed up in the tummy anyway. Right? Yeah. I don't typically make them. I have, now I have made them out of the box recipe, 
mm-hmm. which is surprisingly good. I know it's like the equivalent to like mashed potato flakes, but mm-hmm. in a pinch, will do. Pinch. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's like a suffering involved in making latkes that I feel like makes it all the more worthwhile. You know, it's like it's like if you haven't lost blood grating the potatoes, you know, <laughs> if you haven't cried from the onions, if you haven't burned yourself from the grease, then you haven't really earned those latkes yet. <laughs> you don't know? get them. Yeah, it's a big difference from just throwing a couple things into a bowl, mix, mix, yeah. prime yeah. up. The problem with having the latkes at your house though is it makes the place stink. Oh, for but it's always days. good to eat latkes at someone else's house. I know. That's a good point. Or to have an outdoor kitchen. That would be a good goal. Mm-hmm. You know, because right. nice. you're right. That oil just gets into the walls and that is it. Yeah. Are you guys, are you, are you latka purists? Do you believe only in the potato latka? Are you open to like zucchini latkes or sweet potato latkes? I have never even thought of that. Oh, you should do yourself a favor. And uh, and make a batch of uh, zucchini latkes or sweet potato latkes. I prefer zucchini. The, the thing though is that you're only eating latkes for eight days a year. Like, why do you need to innovate? I mean, can't you just do it for just suck it up and eat regular latkes for eight days? Like, why are we switching it up? Well, you know, here's the thing. So Josh, Josh's family is the descendant of the Cohen tribe, which was the priesthood. So Josh is always going to have the priesthood's response <laughs> to everything. Tradition. <laughs> Tradition. <laughs> And I come from the uh, the tribe of Israel, and we care less about specific rules than about the spirit of it. So that's our that's our uh, core difference in our practice. Not the other thing I find so funny about Hanukkah, though, is um, we would always you know light the candles, and then like there'd be like one song, but no one knew which song to sing because there's like a few songs, and no one knows the same songs, and so then the holiday kind of just kind of fizzles, you know, like there's like. It just kind of ends on like a just a downswing. It's not, yeah, not good. Yeah, the, I mean the middle six nights, you know, <laughs> like it's keeping the motivation of lighting the candles and singing the songs when you're like, let's light four candles tonight. It's like so unsatisfying. Yeah, you know, like there's a big opening night, but you only light one candle, and then there's a big closing night. You get to light all of them, mm-hmm. uh, and then the middle, you're just like, oh fuck, we gotta light candles. Bad because sometimes I don't get home in time and I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. do I do it? Do I not? And then do it, do it. I it's do. Never, it's never because... too late. It's never too late. <laughs> and then we were always told that you have to put the Hanukkah in the window to sort of, you know, show your uh, your your faith. And then I look out the window and there's just Christmas lights all around me and there's like so much more light coming in that my little light going out is just uh, a little wow. sad. Josh, that's the saddest children's <laughs> book I've ever heard. Why don't you write that depressing fucking thing? Uh, I, I might. You should. Did you, did you ever get anything other than socks for Hanukkah? Why are you so upset? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Josh did all right for Hanukkah. You probably got a pretty good haul. Yeah, I think I did pretty pretty good. You know, I, my parents are divorced, so I would probably get 16 nights of Hanukkah. Yeah, yeah, my kids, that's my kids' reality. They're going to score pretty well, but, you know... And I, that's the part that I struggle with the most is the, you know, so I was, I wasn't born in the States. I was born overseas and I grew up here after the age of nine. And so like the biggest difference in my understanding and comfort with Hanukkah, that is not how I now celebrate it is this like culture of giving gifts every night and not just gifts, but like, you know, big ass presents, birthday present kind of presents. And like, 
the fact that it just is sort of co-opting Christmas or making kids feel more included or or whatever the various arguments are, it's like it really, in my opinion, takes away from the spirit of the holiday. Like, you know, if you're going to celebrate the holiday, it's really not about the presents. And I'm just going to like, I will, that is a hill I will die on. No problem. You know, like I'll tell my kids every year, like this is not about the presents. Like you will get good presents, a few, but this is really about the tradition. So, and they'll, and maybe when they're 40, they'll fucking hear it, you know? Maybe. I mean, like now I'm just starting to understand all of the stuff my dad was trying to teach me, you yeah. know, and we always got useful gifts, things that there was a purpose to, not something right. you were going to get and toss away. But I don't remember a single gift I got. I do remember everything, you know, the stories and mm. all of that, which is far more important, like you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I love that. I love that you remember the stories, and I love also the focus on the the practical gifts because there is like this very Jewish notion of like, you know, and this is going to get a little deeper than it might sound, but like, there, Judaism is like inherently about the here and now. You know, it's not. There's no afterlife that we're chasing, contrary to what some would would think. Like we're not all about when the Messiah comes. We're like about now. And that's why all the mitzvahs are about like affecting the world around you now. And so the notion that a gift would be practical is because you're gonna use that thing in your life now. Like when you're alive, you know, you're we're giving you something useful here. We're not just giving you something shiny. Right. You know? Um, but as a kid, you don't want useful, you want shiny. Yeah. You know, I don't want a fucking sweater. I want a radio controlled car. <laughs> it's like, well, what are you going to do? You're going to use that radio controlled car for 15 minutes, three times, and then you're never going to play with it again. The sweater is going to keep you warm for like the time it fits you. Oh, yeah. But, you Hats, know, gloves, you know, yeah. coats, shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'll do. I'll just get them all their winter gear and space it out over the holiday. You, go. you know, nice stuff though. They all need mittens. They all need scarves. It's like an annual purchase because they lose them like as fast as you can time it on an egg timer. Maybe you should get them all the survivalist gear that they'll need to listen you know, to the upcoming. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, all right. So like pepper spray, <laughs> am sure. ammunition. I'm not comfortable getting them a weapon yet, but maybe just start buying ammunition. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah like one of those slingshot things there was a guy in my neighborhood across the street who called the police on a raccoon let me tell you this story okay they were delivering my groceries and i get this text and the guy's like i can't get out of my car there's a raccoon in your yard i was like what <laughs> so i said you just stay there i, I leash my dog out uh, i take him outside to look for this raccoon the neighbors have called the police on this raccoon because what? he wasn't able to shoot it with this thing anymore because now the grocery guy was there. Which implies like he was standing in his yard shooting things at this raccoon in my yard. Right, that's exactly what was happening. That's a violation of your property rights. What kind of an insanity is that? And then he called the police and they're wandering around on our property and I was like- What are the police gonna do about a raccoon? I think they killed him because there's like this little trail of blood in front of my garage. <laughs> You don't, don't want to. You don't want to call cops, even on raccoons. Yeah, that's how itchy triggered their fingers are. Like, stop! That raccoon was doing nothing wrong. It broke no laws. 
Leave him alone. That's yeah. the taxpaying citizen of the state of Ohio. Little burglars. <laughs> I don't like them. I mean, I don't like them. I think but they're beautiful, actually. I just, I don't want anybody to kill one for no reason either. They wear they a like mask. Little masks like Zorro. Yeah, they're badass. Yeah. But they, they're little hands. Yeah, no, they're they're formidable. They're a formidable wild creature. Yeah, Do you I want mean, one I... for Hanukkah? <laughs> Are you gonna <laughs> catch the one in your yard and shipping it out here to no. a, to a to a preserve, a raccoon preserve that my neighbors will call a raccoon problem? <laughs> How's it a problem? <laughs> this is a raccoon solution. What is he? <laughs> don't just don't deny him his his potential future. Where else would he go? Where else exactly? Come to Oregon. This is the land of fugitives and refugees. Oh, so have you ever have you ever been out to Oregon? Have you ever been out to the West Coast? No, I've been to California, but no. Do you I guys, come. do you um, have you have either of you incorporated cannabis into your Hanukkah celebrations? I incorporate it into every <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> That is the truest answer right there. Mm -hmm. I've I already think been it, thinking. Sorry, I, I, I think it, it enhances the dreidel games for me. It makes them much more intense. That's true. Josh is all about the games. He loves the games. Yeah. And then I do, I do advanced dreidel, you know, on the top. You know, I, I flip advanced it over. <laughs> yeah, I did AP dreidel. Fucking AP dreidel, I know. You are dreidel good at tricks. Dreidel. I'll, I'll I'll throw down my AP dreidel game against you. I'm pretty good at at spinning it on its head. Yeah. You know this the the spinny part, not the you spin right. it up like this way. Right, it's right. Spinning on the head, not the top. The which ironically the top is the bottom. So why is it called the top if it's clearly the bottom? Um, I definitely incorporate cannabis into my Hanukkah. Mm -hmm. You know, like um. Well, one, I mean, you're already lighting shit every night, you know, mm -hmm. you're, lighting, you're lighting candles every night. So the lighter's already out. So that's a win. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's all about, it's all about, um, it's all about like the light. The whole holiday is about light, right? Because mm -hmm. it falls in the darkest part of the year. It falls right at the beginning of winter. At the end of fall, it's just going to be dark. Mm -hmm. Like weird. It's the same reason that Christmas has Christmas lights you know, Jews have Hanukkah candles because there's a hu base human desire to create light when it's dark. And so, you know, lighting a joint, lighting a bowl is creating light where it was dark, you know? Like, I think sometimes we can be so fun that we forget it can actually be highly sacramental. Mm -hmm. Like, the reason I wanted to do the show when we began the show two years ago was because I wanted to, like, explore more of the sacramental nature of cannabis and less about sort of the medical or recreational but you know those are also really fun things to talk about and there's always things to talk about there mm -hmm. but i love that hanukkah gives us an opportunity to to talk about more of the spiritual use of this plant that i think a lot of people who use cannabis may not ever publicly or even to themselves acknowledge that there's a spiritual component to it you know but i think a lot of people do i don't know what do you how do you feel it connects with your you know, spiritual thoughts. I agree with you. I think that there's there's an elevation that that allows you to be able to just perceive things in a more true manner or from a different perspective. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that quite makes sense, but yeah, from like an ele- like an elevation, right? You know, like that's funny. From, yeah. from, from a shamash, if you will. From a shamash, exactly, yeah. mm-hmm. exactly. The shamash candle, beautifully, beautifully said, Josh. <laughs> this, the, the shamash candle is elevated. It is higher than all the other candles. Right. It is the one that lights all the other candles, and it is also elevated itself. Mm-hmm. Fucking good call, Josh. I feel like this can get really deep here. Now I'm going to be thinking about it for. Yeah. What is your feeling about the Hanukkia that sort of, because the candles burn down, it's sort of like, you know, when the ball drops at Times Square, um, where once the candle burns down, some sort of event happens where it like hot boxes the entire room. Like as a way to like, you know, you you could. Because I was saying earlier that the holiday kind of ends in a whimper, but this would be a way to sort of make the holiday have some sort Mm. of, you know, grand finale you you could you could also use like you could get like eight joints or nine joints or nine blunts and like line them all up in a hanukkiah Mm -hmm. and light them all and you just have to create some sort of downdraft so they keep burning but i think that you know or you're you connect that whole thing to a hose and then you're just chiefing it with your friends (laughs) because nine blunts would be i mean that would be some intense shit right but then could you imagine just how smoky and intensely fucking weed filled that room would be? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's um, like in, in the Torah, when the high priest would go into the Ark of the Covenant, they would burn cannabis oil and fill the room with smoke. And then they would, that's how they would commune. Mm-hmm. So like they were literally hotboxing yeah. you know, for a spiritual purpose. So it's kind of right on message, frankly. Yeah. I, I think that you're, I am more open to discussions and ideas, um, you know, when I'm after smoking or any use of cannabis, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's a perfect time just to like get baked with your friends and, and sit back and have these kinds of conversations. Right. You know, because for all the things that we talk about and spend our days energy on most of us don't spend a lot of time on this stuff and this stuff tends to be the core of everything else you know so it's a good point it's a good holiday i'm a fan there's a lot there you know what's your favorite gift that you've ever gotten you know that is a great question i am i am i am terrible at asking for things from people and asking, you know, naming sort of what gifts I want. Like for Hanukkah this year, I really want blank. Like I've never been able to do that. So I have never really gotten like fantastically great presents on Hanukkah because I've never really told anybody what I want for Hanukkah. I've gotten practiced. <laughs> Man, Josh, what do you come? I'm going to toss it to you while I think about it. Do you yeah. have a best or a worst Hanukkah present you can remember? I think the best Hanukkah present is the present that you use the following Hanukkah, you know, because so many presents you don't use for the course of the year. So if you're using it um, a year later, I think it's a it's a good gift. Yeah, that's still using it. Do you have? Yeah. So I can think of I I got a grinder for Hanukkah once. Uh, Oh. I still still use it. That is a good gift. Yeah, it's a good gift. That's a good gift. I heard you guys talking about giving somebody like gifting you like a half ounce or something. Yeah. Yeah, I have gotten. Gifts of of herb is always good. Yeah, yeah. 
that is never not going to be a win. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because like just the fact that we we're even talking about half ounces tells you just like how incredibly reasonably priced the, the Oregon cannabis market is because that's not a big pressure point. You can walk into most dispensaries in Oregon and get a half, a really good half ounce for 50 to 75 bucks, you know, and that's for half an ounce. Yeah, that's, it's significantly more expensive here. Yeah, that's what Prohibition does. Mm -hmm. so, I did so, hear that there's a Republican representative that's trying to push through uh, recreational. In Ohio? Yeah, I didn't follow up on it, so it was just kind of what I had heard. Yeah, Ohio is, would be an amazing state to go legal in 2022. That's my Hanukkah wish for you. <laughs> Is that uh, is that you know Ohio is legal in 2022, because it's such an anchor state politically. It's such a big fucking player in national politics. Ohio is such an indicator slash kind of bellwether for for where the country is going. And so, if Ohio legalizes as this Midwest state, and also like you know, like the states bordering Ohio like Michigan's already legalized and they're doing making lots and lots of money and like other states have done it and the states that haven't legalized yet are just losing money eventually Ohioans are gonna be like this is stupid like they can they can drive next door and, and buy and get it and come home and smoke it and all the tax money goes to that state I'm done with it and it's not yeah. even an argument about whether it's harmful or not harmful or beneficial or not beneficial it's just stupid that it's not legal anymore and they do sit at the border. You know, I don't know how often it happens, but they do sit at the border and pull people over. Like they'll watch the plates and anybody from Ohio. What a great use of our fucking tax money. Right, what, it, yes. I, I don't even wanna. There's, there's clearly no domestic violence happening at all in Ohio. There's no, ever, no real crimes needing to be addressed. Have you ever consumed cannabis and then become irrationally angry ever i mean no. when i run out of the cannabis i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah point taken but yeah no no and when i when i tell josh this all the time like when i when i used to do legalization campaign work and i would go and debate with you know law enforcement officers sheriffs or deputy sheriffs or, or police chiefs or whatever about legalization like i would always ask them how frequently do you go to a, do you respond to a 911 domestic situation call um, where there has been alcohol? And they're like, you know, nine and a half times out of 10. And I'm like, right. how many times have you gone to a domestic violence call where the call was based on weed? And they're like, never. I'm like, so there you go. Like you, that's enough reason right there. If but, you are mad, here, smoke this, and then you won't be. Right, right. Solved. Right, it calms you down. It doesn't give you liquid courage, which is a, t a terrible phrase. It should be called liquid bad decision-making. <laughs> You're not wrong. So, yeah. you know, I, that's what, so, you know, keep, I would love to like, if you kept an eye on what's going on in Ohio, we would be happy to keep talking to you about it during the campaign year. You have to check into it. Whatever we can do as a show to help encourage legalization in Ohio and other states that are going to have it on the ballot, we want to be helpful because, um, you know, we're living in like the future over here and it's not fair that it doesn't extend to your state. And yeah, how does somebody's zip code, you know, their location determine what you can and can't have? It's not like different countries, this is right. states and they're just 
imaginary borders. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, I can go to the dispensary in Cincinnati, but technically I would have to go through Kentucky. Well, now I've just committed a crime. Right. I'm just trying to go home. Right. <sighs> Idiotic. Yeah. 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 Well, this is, I mean, this is the course of, of legalization is like state by state until, until it is inevitable federally, which I think we're already at, and there's no reason that it hasn't happened yet, but that it should happen very soon. But even then, that is going to be like, that's a can of worms people aren't ready for. I mean, they think they are, but they're not because all of a sudden it's gonna be a question of like, well, all the states that have been making their own rules for themselves since 2012 are now gonna to have to change those rules in accordance with whatever the new federal rules are. And the people deciding those federal rules come from states that never had rules to begin with, you know, like we're walking into a fucking maelstrom with the federal legalization, but at a minimum, it should be like federal decriminalization immediately and then figure out the rules. I, you know. I, do, I don't understand how you can not just regulate and tax it. You know, even at this point, if you want to tax it, I'm okay with that. If you just stop arresting people, we can start there. And then second, release all of the nonviolent cannabis offenders. And there's money. You know, you right. got your taxes and then you're not paying to have people in prison who don't belong there. Exactly. Exactly. And then... Uh, thirdly, expunge all of those people's records so that yep. they're not walking around as felons for the rest of their lives and they can actually fucking get a home and get a job and get credit and be part of the society, which they can't do even as, you know, released felons. They need to be expunged. Right. So, like, you know, more and more states' legalization now includes expungement, which is, you know, real progress, real, real progress. Hopefully it continues. I mean, it, you know, like as I, like fights never stay won, you know, like you just have to keep fighting. Yeah, I would like them to allow grow in Ohio. Yeah, absolutely. How many plants? New, New Mexico just legalized 12 plants per household. I think, uh, I think Michigan has six, maybe. Yeah, I think Oregon is four. Yeah, whatever it is in Ohio, I think is low. They're always standing outside the dispensaries asking for people to sign. Yeah. I, I'm totally down with signing things, but I don't want somebody who just walks up to me in a parking lot and give them my name and my phone number and my address. Yeah, so, true. True. Yeah, I'll support you. Where can I do this online? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the whole the whole day of the clipboard thing might be done. Yeah, I don't want to be murdered, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's reasonable. Yeah, I don't have high standards. No, <laughs> that's good. So what's your favorite Hanukkah song? Hmm. I'm looking at you, Josh. I okay. got lots, I mean. Okay, well, t yeah, tell me one of yours first. Um, I like the one that goes, Hanukkah, oh Hanukkah, come light the menorah, that one, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Plan party, we're all dance the mm -hmm. horror, et cetera. I, th I think the best opening is the is the one that goes eight days of Hanukkah, eight what days the? of Hanukkah. We come to celebrate <laughs> the festival of lights. I don't even know. It just that starts one. so big. 
I don't know that one, but it was like written by like a fucking Oscar and Hammerstein off Broadway. Probably it was a, it was a good That's one. A real Broadway feel. You sang. I know it does have a jazz, Broadway feel. Practically to it. jazz hands. I know. <laughs> it was good stuff. Yeah. You guys have more. I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> I like also like you know when you're singing in groups and the the songs that are in Hebrew where people don't really know the words and it kind of just trails off after the chorus, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's fun. I mean it's a it's crazy because you know it's like like historically it's considered a minor religion. You know, I mean, minor, sorry, holiday. Minor, minor, minor holiday. It's definitely major religion. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to offend. Um, you know, yeah, no, traditionally it's like a minor holiday. But like, if you take all the things that we were talking about and look at it from like a spiritual point of view and where it falls in the year and, and the significance of that moment of creating light, it's still a pretty big holiday. Yeah. It's like, what I'm saying is it deserves, it deserves cred on its own merits, you know, not to just sort of be compared it as some other kind of thing. So I have a question for both of you. If I was going to host uh, a cannabis dreidel game, uh, how many ounces would you uh, roll to the game with? Whoa! You're but you could lose it all. You could lose it all very quickly. You're talking game. plurals of ounces. That's a well, lot. Well, no. I mean, we could start. I would think it's probably <laughs> like a gram every time you have to put one in. Oh, and so gram, a so gram, ante. gram ante to play dreidel. So every everyone has a gram. So how many mm. how many grams would you roll up with to my party? And what is it? Twenty eight and a half grams. That's a pound. No, what is it? That's an ounce. I mean, I have no idea. Shit. <laughs> Two ounces. Two ounces. That would be. You're invited. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's heavy roller. That's nice. Well, I figured we were going to play for a while. Yeah, I know we're going to play yeah, for a while. Yeah, we would. Yeah. No, that would be sweet. Plus, like, you could walk away with however many people times however many ounces. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could that walk away. Could you, could you imagine going to, like, a like that would be a sick, like, dreidel game to come get invited to, like a poker game, but it's a dreidel game and you have to bring weed to ante up. Because mm-hmm. then, like, you know, if you got six people playing and each of them is putting in a couple ounces, you're, you could stand to walk away with close to a pound of, like, everybody's different flower. Mm-hmm. That would be crazy. That'd be such a fucking sweet winning. You'd feel like the richest person in the world. <laughs> and then here, it's this exact same plant, but they don't. I mean, I think it's exactly the same, but they can't name it the same thing, so they just change the name of it. And so you don't know what the fuck you're working with. Exactly. Yeah. People will make charges to be like, "This is what this means at this place." I don't want to play these games. Tell me what I'm buying. No, this this is why I have been shitting on the whole strain name thing pretty consistently throughout this entire series that we do. You know, like, it is so grower-minded. You know, it's all about... It's like, when you go to buy tomatoes, you don't care, like, what the genetics of the tomatoes are. You no. know? Like, I don't need to... This is like Farmer Jim tomatoes. It's like, okay, what does that mean? Like that That means something to the farmer. It doesn't tell me a damn thing about the tomatoes, you know? And so I think that eventually over time, there's only going to be a few strain names that really last as sort of standalone brand kind of experiences. But then most of it's not, the people are not going to be associating with the strain as much as in different ways with the product, you know? Yeah. Like you'll start to see more blends. Mm-hmm. You know, like we don't really see all that many blends, but I could buy a blended joint that was a cross of a few different strains 
that would be a really great smoke that is not one strain mm -hmm. you know i mean i like doing the blend do you ever blend it up do you ever do blends blended joints i don't i can't roll a joint like i've tried my whole life it's just i'm not good at it and by the way if you put the like saliva on the paper it does stop runs yeah there we go see yeah okay see? good see so we keep doing it no. that's what that's an example of like tradition like i've been doing that as a tradition without any real proof that it works just just faith <laughs> <laughs> and you were right i was right i was right tradition wins again mm -hmm. i didn't even have to ask you to sing your song you guys already sang them. oh i already oh, sang the song yeah oh yeah you can't stop us no. <laughs> <laughs> once to now this is fantastic now you got, you got me so excited about Hanukkah, which I really appreciate because, you know, like Thanksgiving gets so much attention. And I don't know if you've noticed, but like at the malls out here anyway, like Christmas decorations were up before Halloween. Mm -hmm. Like there was just like relentless, like not giving a shit about like the, the barely a tradition of the kind of marketing seasons that we're all accustomed to, you know? It was always getting earlier, but I mean, at this point, they're just wiping out. It's just going to be all year long. It, it is. It is. I think people are just like, oh, it's Christmas season again. Maybe that's just all we have to do to calm everybody down. It's just, just, just say like Christmas season is all year now. Okay. Everybody just give yourself the excuse of buying that thing you want to buy. That's right. Christmas <laughs> is once a month now. <laughs> 25th of every month. It's, uh, it's very, very ever present. The best is to like is to like be traveling somewhere internationally on Christmas and see what it's like in another country because it always gives it even more perspective how just fucking over the top it is in the United States compared to everywhere else on the planet. I bet. You know, like I, last Christmas I was in Costa Rica. My sweetie and I were in Costa Rica, and um, we were there, like happened to be there over Christmas and like. There, it's like a couple of tiny decorations here and there. And then everybody gets together with their family in the morning and then they spend their rest of the day on the beach. Probably because it's nice. I mean, if I lived there, I would do the same <laughs> thing. <laughs> like, they're like, we don't have to like, we don't have to pretend anything. We just, we live in paradise. Yeah. So it's maybe- not my problem. <laughs> exactly. Christmas is great. All right, who wants to go to the beach? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Well, maybe that's an unfair example then. <laughs> Some are ugly or, you know, really cold and they don't celebrate. You gotta get it's just, cheer. And it's just dreary. Yeah, I think it brings some cheer. I was in Israel for, for Christmas when I was like in grad school and uh, I went to see a movie in, uh, in Bethlehem. <laughs> was it the Passion of the Christ? <laughs> <laughs> On Christmas Day. That was not hard to find an open movie theater in Israel on Christmas. It's easier. Did you spend a lot of time in Israel? Well, I was born there, but then I left when I was really little, like four. And then I went back for a portion of grad school. But I haven't been back in a long time. But I have a lot of family there still. That's cool. Yeah. So, like, I watched them grow up on Facebook. I don't know where most of my family is. Like, I did those DNA tests. Yeah. See. I was like, maybe I have a sister I don't know about. My mom's like, 
why the fuck would you have a sister you don't know? <laughs> she was really offended. <laughs> yes, sure. <laughs> so did you learn anything from the, the those DNA tests? No, other than like when somebody goes, you're half Jewish, like you actually can be 50%. Like that's a real thing. Right. Like right down the middle. I was at 50% on one and 49.8, whatever that means, on the yeah. other. So what was, the, what was the other? Like Poland, Czechoslovakia. Yeah. Yeah. Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, like the, those DNA tests, when they say Jewish, they're talking like Ashkenazi Jews. They're talking about like Jews from like Central and Eastern Europe. Yeah. Those, but that DNA marker doesn't exist in like the huge numbers, millions and millions of Jews from the Middle East and North Africa, you know, Moroccan and Yemenite Jews and like Egyptian Jews and Turkish Jews and people. The DNA tests? Yeah, well, that because they don't have the Ashkenazi gene because they didn't go up to Europe. Like they yeah. stayed in, in stayed in North Africa and the Middle East, which was where they were from. So they don't, you know, Ethiopian Jews, they don't have like an Ashkenazi marker. So that test mm-hmm. wouldn't recognize them as Jewish, even though they, you know, the Ethiopians are probably the most direct descendant. But like, you know, it's at the same time, I did one of those DNA tests because I was curious I was and hoping for some more specificity in the answer. And it came back 99.9% Ashkenazi Jew. I'm like, I already, I already knew that. But, already, but what else? <laughs> Where's like, the secret? <laughs> not, not, not to make you anti-Semitic or anything, but I want my money back. <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> this is bullshit. Like... You, I paid you to give me results and you told me the most obvious thing I know. Yeah, I just have, like, I get contacted every once in a while by somebody, but they're very distant relatives. They're like, do you know this person? I'm like, actually, no. Yeah, I don't know any of them, but <laughs> I can put you in contact with somebody who does. Don't you all know each other? No. no. Every single one. <laughs> no. You know, it's really hard at the annual meetings. You know, to get around to meet everybody. Yeah, the space lasers. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I, I just mean... bought a new coat for space, so I'm waiting. <laughs> All right, you're ready to go. <laughs> You'll be snug. <laughs> it's good because, you know, space is the ultimate fast coldness. So it's probably a good place to have a good coat, which would make a great Hanukkah present because it's practical. <laughs> and mittens. And mittens. Mm-hmm. This is in the future, like, I mean, that's what's crazy. In like 500 years, there are going to be Jewish families who are celebrating Hanukkah in a space station or on Mars or somewhere else in the solar system. And like, they are going to light the menorah and like sing these songs and ha- or have some tradition left over, but their place is going to be this completely different reality, you know? Mm-hmm. But like, we've done episodes where we've talked about like the, the like research into what would it mean to be Jewish on Mars? And people are like really working on this shit right now. Like there's lots and lots of thought going into this question of like, you know, for a, a, a religion that is so tied to earth and to our, our planet, <laughs> you know, it's not just like some like, you know, the vast the vastness of the universe. It's like Mount Sinai over there, you know, in like Israel over there. It's like very specific. So how do you still be like Jewish on Mars? That's Maybe we need to develop just an Earth-based religion, and that religion will, once we do the space travel, that religion will become the dominant religion in the universe, or at least on planet Earth. All right, let's work on it. <laughs> okay. 
I'm down, I'm all, you know, I'm always down to start a religion. You know that, Josh. Yeah, it'd be fun. And the money it's is the really first religion up. with a Patreon page. <laughs> so, who's your favorite Jew? Hmm. Oh man. Well, my mother would want me to say my mother. <laughs> of course. Of course. But um, who's my favorite Jew? Gosh, I mean, you know, there's a lot of Jews I don't know, just for the record. So, like, just out of the ones you're aware just, of, just the ones. Yeah, oh, favorite Jew. I mean, my answer has to be Mel Brooks. Oh, that's you know, good. I love Mel Brooks. I love all he's done. I love how his, like, his approach to satire and his approach to sort of calling people out through comedy, and like. His shit is just so fucking sharp and so relevant, and, and he just like is doing a new thing. He's doing History of the World Part Two on, was it Hulu? I think. Yeah, it's Hulu. Yeah, I can't wait. When is but that I, supposed to be out? When is that? Probably next year sometime. I it's think. Gonna be amazing. I know. I know. Nick Kroll is involved, and a bunch of like great other writer, actor, performers are involved in it. It's got like kind of like a, a kick-ass ensemble cast. That's exciting. It is super exciting. I mean, I watched that movie like as a the History of the World Part One as a kid, and I've probably seen it a hundred times now. You know, and like every every time I I would watch it, I would get some other joke that I hadn't gotten before because I was too young to get it. So I'm a big Those fan. Are the best. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, oh shit, that's what he was joking about. <laughs> I get the joke twenty years later. What about you, Josh? Well, I think Paul Rudd, who's man of the year, has to be our my favorite Jew this year because he's representing us uh, so well over in People Magazine. The Jewish dads, you mean? Representing yeah, the Jewish dads, dads but all, yeah, you know, sexiest man alive. He's, yeah. Do you think he's, do you think he's a vampire? <laughs> There's a I painting mean, he, of he Paul looks Rudd. Good. He looks good. <laughs> it's aging in an attic somewhere. Maybe. <laughs> I think that's what's going it's on. Yeah, something's yeah. happening. All right, guys. Um, I really appreciate you talking to me. Oh, of course. This is a blast. Had a tremendous Thank amount of fun. Yeah, yeah. This was very cool to connect, and this is a very cool thing you're doing for your, your for your sisters, for your homegirls. Yeah, just what? Yeah. Wish you and your listeners a happy Hanukkah. Thank you. You guys have any parting thoughts? You know, be kind. Rewind. Wise words. Wise yeah. words. Eight days of Hanukkah. Eight days of Hanukkah. You know that I'm putting this on the end, right? <laughs> Good. All right. What I had heard was we are out of time and we will see you soon. Eight days of Hanukkah. Eight days of Hanukkah.